Hey, this is Tony Ruggiero. Thanks for listening to the Tour Coach here, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as, you know, on the radio, WNSP in Mobile, Alabama. The next few Tour Coaches that come at you are going to be a little bit different in the fact that uh, last week at the PGA Show in Orlando, Florida, we hosted a cocktail party, kind of got back to doing this. We used to do this back in the day, uh, but somewhere around COVID or so, we kind of slowed down and quit doing it. But we hosted some of our friends, some of the great instructors, some of the best minds from around the instruction world. We all got together at Cuba Libre Bar and Restaurant right there on International Drive near the convention center, and it was an epic night. But what we did is we set up a little booth at the back, and myself, but in particular Jackson Court, one by one, brought some of these minds to the back, sat down, and had a little 10-, 15-minute conversation. And now my producer, one of the good dudes here helping us keep all this stuff going out, Clint Crouch, has put these together to roll these out over the next few Tour Coach episodes. So what you're about to hear is myself or Jackson Court sitting down with some of our friends, some of our guests, and taking an inside look at the instruction world, the golf world, what goes on at the PGA show, and Everything to help you play better golf, teach better golf, or enjoy the game, as always, is here for you on the Tour Coach. So I hope you like the behind-the-scenes look and some of the conversations that happened at the Tour Coach Pro Work Dew Sweepers Cocktail Party at the PGA Show. I think you'll enjoy it. All right. I am privileged to welcome my next guest, Mr. Jason Gus. And uh, I think this one... Touches my heart a little bit because obviously I love the game of golf and you know you always have influences on your life when you're young and especially in love with the game and you sir have influenced my family probably much more than you realize from my sister to my father even to myself like I uh, you may not know it but I will never forget some of the lessons up north in Gaylord and east in Lansing um and I think that impression that you left on me has certainly left a mark in the direction of professionalism with how I'm trying to, you know, create my career. So I appreciate your example, and I'm thankful for your influence. And so I'm very excited to even be sitting with you at this table just to pick your brain. I think, like, you know, golf's a, a great journey. And I think you meet some incredible people, and uh, I'm just very appreciative of you, and it's an honor to be able to talk with you about this game that we love so much. Uh, well, first of all, I was hoping you wouldn't make me cry to start the podcast here, so that's, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sappy as I, as I get a little older. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been privileged, uh, number one, I'll, you know, I'll talk about your dad first. Your, your dad was like such an inspiration for me as a young teacher to see someone who had the passion for the game that your dad did and, and there's no there's no denying the reason you and your sister turned out to be a such great humans which is the most important part of us being instructors right is to help people become good humans and better golfers but also you and your sister being great golfers and you know as you move through this world the first thing you're trying to do is remember that all this stuff comes back full circle so you're just trying to help people as much as you can and I look back now, however many years ago this was, I hate to even say it, but like for us to have the relationship we have now, you'd have never guessed that 20-some years ago. So it's awesome to be here. And, you know, I, I look at certain people in the, in the golf industry that I've known for a long amount of years, and I can honestly say that, like, I'm just proud of you guys. Like, I'm proud of your dad and you and your sister. 
for what you've done in your golf journey and just to be a very small part of that. So thanks for having me. Well, yeah, it wasn't small, but yeah, it is great. So um, would like to open this up. I think one thing that we've talked about multiple times and being involved with this incredible app that you guys are coming out with involving practice. You know, golf is an interesting sport with how you practice compared to other sports. So talk a little bit about practice and into your coaching and then now what you're trying to do kind of moving forward to help golfers. Well, I mean, you know this as well. You, you know, we, we want people to have beautiful golf swings and, and we want all of our students when they go, you know, playing tournaments or whatever to, to say, well, you know, that's, that's Jackson's student. Look how pretty their swing is. or That's Jason's student. But, you know, it's interesting. As we teach a lot, we start learning, you know, that we can make people's swings maybe look prettier but they don't necessarily get better all the time and then when you start you know working with really high level players like you you have done and i have done as well you start realizing that there's patterns to the reason they get way better and and a lot of it is you know how they're practicing and they're not just sitting on the range or, or looking in a mirror and doing these things there's a lot of skill testing going on there's a lot of these things so you know, when I look at students and I, and I watch them practice, and I had a really funny story this summer. I had a member say to me, you know, he shows up for a lesson, and he, he looked at me and he says, you know, Jason, like, I want you to teach me how to really be good. But he said it differently than most people do. Most people say that because that's kind of the question you're, or the, the comment you're supposed to make. He, he had a different look in his eye about, like, this guy really is going to do whatever it takes to be good. And, and I jokingly said to him, if you really want to be good, I want you to look down this range and look what everyone's doing and go do the opposite. And it was a joke because, like, most of the people on the range are 15 to 25 handicappers. They're, they're mindlessly beating balls. They're, there's no process to what they're doing. And it's like if you get to a tour range, that's not what's happening at all. So that's where, you know, the app Golflytics kind of inspired me to, to create an app that's going to help people guide them in how to practice properly, like tour players or Division One players or, or highly successful players. Mm-hmm. So in, that, in those skill challenges and developing those, some of the drills that you formulate, it doesn't matter what handicap you are, but you can change some of the parameters so that you can go from a 5 to a 3, from a 25 to a 20... Yeah, so every every drill is going to have levels that you can move up. So, you, you know, even if you're a level one, which would be, you know, maybe a, a novice beginner type golfer, it's great that you can go practice and actually see yourself getting better. Whereas if you're not measuring your practice, just like if you're not measuring your golf swing, we have no idea if you're actually changing things or not. So all this measuring of golf swing, which everyone's doing, and it's amazing information, I'm just trying to do that with practice so that you and I as instructors can start looking at our students and figuring out where they need to be to get better. Yeah. So those measurements are more of an application of what you would face on the golf course. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, for example, um, you know, you and I may have different swing philosophies, per se. And Butch Harmon may think differently than I do. And, and Tony may think differently than you and I do. But the one thing we can all agree on is that you need to make 98% of your three-footers. So... If, as a teaching industry, we all agree on these statistical parameters and we can get people to practice towards those, then we can apply whatever philosophy we want to help them get better at those statistics. Love that. Okay. So I think, like, in my mind, I have a good picture of what that would look like for short game. Right? Like, I think there's a bunch of drills and ways that you can change those parameters for putting. 
right? You can do that for chipping, pitching. But if you're on the driving range and you might have different swing philosophies or you're working on something different, how do you take that application and transfer that to the golf course with with some of those measurements or games? Well, I mean, one of it is just measuring centerness of contact, right? Like, where are you hitting the ball on the face? And you, you can do that with, you know, face tape or face spray. Um, I have a really great picture of Tony Finau uh, playing golf. And on the golf course, he has a launch monitor, so he's playing with a launch monitor. So he's trying to capture all of his data while he's playing. He's trying to figure out why the ball does what it does, the real reason. And then there's a picture of him actually looking at the face of the driver, trying to figure out where he hit it on the face. And I, I jokingly say with all my students, I'm like, look, if Tony Finau has to look where he hits it on the face all the time, we all should be looking where we hit it on the face all the time. Because all we're trying to do in this game is eliminate variables the best that we can. And if we can get really good at hitting it in the center of the face, that's one less thing we have to worry about, hopefully, when we're on the golf course. Mm. Okay. And so from there, you can go into different applications from short irons to mid irons to long game. And obviously, you can do stuff with targets where you're trying to gamify that practice on the range with that same application to the golf course, maybe it's wins and different pins and different distances. Yeah, I mean, I, I look, we've all played with the person who maybe doesn't look like they're as good a golfer as us, but they seem to beat us every single time. And I, I tell my students, I said, look, the honest truth is they know more about themselves than you know about yourself, mm. right? You know, my seven iron always tends to come up short and left. Like, I need to know that if there's water short and left, yep. you know. And so all these games are basically what they're doing is they're teaching you about you and who you are as a golfer. And if you, as long as you accept that information, you can play away from your weaknesses and, and turn them into strengths. Yeah. And also, too, I think you can take your strengths and make them even better. Right? Like sometimes if you're a great iron player, finding those minuscule changes might even increase that more in something that can provide consistency across your game and so maybe I'm a good iron player and if I can just get the driver in the fairway or get it in the fairway off the tee a little bit more and use my advantage or those strengths it's going to help my score in the long run so it's it's not necessarily obviously it's improving your weaknesses and snowballing that but also doing that with your strengths as well yeah and the other really cool thing is from a mental aspect for example I had someone who did one of my programs with the with the data that we're doing in the app and he had told me that he was not a good driver of the golf ball. But when we actually tested mm-hmm. him, he was actually a good driver of the golf ball. So it was interesting to see his confidence go up because he thought he was bad at something when he was actually good. Yeah. You know, so you, you can, like I said, once you learn who you are as a golfer, and the only way you can do that is by gathering data. Correct. And it's what we're doing with the golf swing every day. I'm just doing it with practice and actual on-course statistics. Mm. So... With Golflytics, I think if people understand what they're trying to do with their practice to apply it to the golf course and understanding, like, going there with a plan, right? Hey, I'm going to go and do this and try and achieve these so that I can have some improvement in my game rather than going to the range just to practice. Yeah, so, like, for example... uh Every week, it'll send you five drills, okay. and it'll say, hey, go, go complete these five drills. It takes a half hour apiece. And then every time you practice and you do the drills, and then you record the drills, the score that you got on the drills, every month, the AI, the artificial intelligence, is going to change your practice plan. 
So every month, it's going to keep altering the practice plan based on the data that you're putting into the drill. So every time you go to the range, you're going to have a blueprint of what you need to do. And the main reason I wanted to do this, and you'll understand this, you know, 10 times, we both have a lot of students. And for you and I to be constantly writing practice programs for every individual student, it's too, it's too time-consuming. Mm-hmm. But it's a very critical part of yeah. improving. So that's what I was trying to do is bridge that gap from the instructor to the student to say, hey, here's what you need to do, and then we're going to keep checking to see how you're doing on those drills. Yeah, and one of the things I like about Golflytics, too, and what it's trying to do is I'm going to use an example that Tony talks about all the time. So this is not me, but so when he worked with Lucas Glover, phenomenal ball striker, and was struggling a little bit with short game, and what they did for an entire year was they called it the gauntlet. And they would put, I think it was like five or ten bucks on it every time, whether Tony was there or not. And it was just a, a, a game that he would play on the chipping green, and he would also play it in practice rounds. And the year he made it to um, East Lake, so he made top 30 on the PJ Tour, he was two in number two in the PJ Tour in scrambling. Yeah, I mean, that's massive, right? In the more you do anything, the more you conf- the more confidence you build in it. Mm-hmm. And we, we could go to, you know, back in the old days, you remember Phil used to make 103 footers before he left the practice screen every yeah. night, you know. I'm not saying the average person needs to do that, but if, but if you try to make 23 footers every night and you start by only making two, and then two months later you're making 15, your confidence over three footers is going to get greatly improved. Now, if you're not actually tracking that you're doing that, you don't necessarily know you're getting better at yeah. something. Yeah. It's, it's funny, too. Like, working with juniors, I've got, I've got an after-school junior program. And I've noticed, like, I try to do a little bit of technique stuff early, and then 10 minutes in, I'm like, what would you guys like to do? Do you want to do this, or would you like to play a game? And every time, the answer is play a game. And so I think in, the, in golflytics, with what these skill acquisition drills are is playing games yeah they're playing they're playing games and and maybe you would agree with us or not and i'm sure there's some people out there that don't and it's okay i'm not saying everyone has to agree with it but you could argue if you progress through the skill levels the technique will naturally change to get better at the skill Mm -hmm. not always but a lot of times there's something magical that starts to happen in order to create and finish these drills and that's awesome Well, Jason, I appreciate your time. This has been phenomenal. And if anybody has any questions about practice or golflytics, how can they contact you, get more information? Where can they go? Uh, They can go to jasongusgolf.com. They can go to any of my, you know, my Instagram, jasongusgolf, any of those. Um, You can find my phone number on the Internet. It's all over the place (laughs) if you want. Um, Or you can get a hold of Jackson. Jackson has my number. But I I love the questions. I love working with you. You know, Jackson was a big helper on uh, my app, Golflytics, did a bunch of videos. Um, I like working with, you know, people who are trying for the greater good to help people lower their handicap. And I think that's what we're all trying to do. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing your knowledge and experience in the game. It's, Thank you so it's much. Awesome. Yeah. So I appreciate your time. Jason, thanks for sitting in. All right. Cheers. 
I just want to remind everybody something that I forgot. Uh, recently, a couple weeks ago, my wife and I went out. We went to a wedding, and afterwards, with some friends, we were like, hey, where's a great place to go? I'll be honest, like, in my travels and day-to-day, sometimes I get caught up and I forget some of the great places right around the corner. But I got to remind you about the Ice Box Bar on 755 Monroe Street. I know with uh, Mardi Gras and all that stuff, it's going to be packed. But I was blown away by just the whole vibe, the atmosphere, and with the velvet pig, the food in the back room, and the big screen TVs up front. I was blown away by the atmosphere, the vibe, and just how cool it was to have the Icebox Bar right here near the Dew Sweepers downtown. So look, when you're out Mardi Gras or you're looking for a great place to go sit, watch some games, hang out, play some pool, you got to go to the Icebox Bar right there on Monroe Street. There's a good chance you'll see all of us hanging out, especially during Mardi Gras. But do yourself a favor. Go visit the Icebox. It's one of the best places out there. All right. Sitting here at Cuba Libre. Getting some more content. I'm, again, honored to be sitting with, obviously, my next guest, but also everybody here. And this next one's very special. And I mean that. So, Kevin Sprecher. Director of Instruction at Sleepy Hollow, and um, you probably don't remember this, but years ago, one of my good friends from Michigan was actually an assistant at Sleepy Hollow, and I stayed in the housing behind Sleepy Hollow, played two days there, actually got to meet you, and this was when I was in college, kind of didn't have any direction, knowing what I was going to do. Obviously, I loved golf, wanted to play, thought about coaching, and the assistant there, Kyle Holmes, raved about you. And so from, I think then on, that would have been 2010 or 11. I remember, Kyle. Yep. I always would, like, follow what you did and the stuff that you would put out because, you you know, you've kind of been on top of that in a good way, sharing what you've learned from Jim McLean, which is what we're going to get into in a little bit. But um, I think as a young instructor, having a great model of what a professional golf instructor is in, in yourself and also your wife. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciate that, and um, I just wanted to welcome you, and um, we're going to open this up to some of the systems and coaching, but give us a little yeah. shout out. And- well, thank you. You know, it's, it's I do remember, um, I remember Kyle, I don't remember when you were there, but that's, you know, that's because I'm old and I don't remember very much, um, but but I've enjoyed our relationship over the last few years, and we, we reconnected a few years ago, bringing some groups down to Frederica, and, yeah. and now where you are now, so I've... And, and watching you grow up and mature as a coach has been a pleasure. And, and, um, and, and don't sell yourself short. You're, you're a good coach yourself. Well, I appreciate that. And one of the things Tony's always pushed me to do is observe other coaches. And it's interesting to see how coaches share information when you're observing. Right? Like sometimes you're a little bit of a fly on the wall, which I 100% understand because they've got a paying customer in front of them that they're trying to get better and you're just there to observe. Right. But in the times that I've spent around you, your willingness to share and make sure I'm understanding the information that you're trying to get across to the student and why has been phenomenal for my understanding. So well, thank I appreciate you. that. Yeah. Well, that comes from my training with, with Jim McLean. I, I was fortunate to start working for Jim in 1992 when at the rise of his, his stardom. And we were at Doral and we had 26 PGA professionals. Uh, nine assistants many of those professionals are now considered top 100 in golf magazine and whatever and so we had a pretty pretty extensive staff and and we would every 
you know, learning from Jim and the training that he did, um, there's only a few teachers around that ever did actually training as well as he did, you know, like Mike Adams, mm-hmm. who I've learned a lot from, and, and David Ledbetter, are really the only two top teachers that you would really think of that did training for their staff. And so when, I, when somebody comes to me and says, hey, can I come watch you you're, you're teaching whatever, I'm totally open to it. But sitting, I do like them to sit back because I don't want them to interject, but I want them to understand what we're doing because it's, because it's important, yeah. I think. Yeah. So share a little bit about your upbringing under McLean and his system and how he groomed those players. Because So he had how many teaching professionals under him? 26. 26. So he had to have 26 instructors under him that are obviously under the same likeness of, of understanding and coaching application. So right. Talk so, to me about so, that so, so Jim's idea was his our meat and potatoes were golf schools. Students would come down from all over the country or the world for that matter, mm-hmm. spend three days with us, and he wanted to make sure that the message that they were getting was the same from all of our instructors. So when we were doing a golf school, we had a, a certain, not really a method, but a system that we would teach everybody in. And we all had the same language. We might have presented it differently, sure. but, but it was all the same thing. So when you went from one person to another, you didn't get something different. When we did our own lessons, we were kind of on our own if we wanted to be. But in the schools, everything had to be according to his plan. And so we'd have staff meetings every Monday. We talked about his system. His eight-step swing book was, the, was kind of the basis of everything that we did okay. and all of his books. And actually, the meetings were pretty, were pretty tough. You talk to anybody that worked for Jim, and I'm sure you've heard stories about it. Um, the meetings were pretty intense. And like even somebody like myself that was a seasoned instructor, you call on you, and you get a little nervous in front of 26 people, and Jim's sitting there staring at you and saying, all right, what, how would you do this? So, but he hammered it in on us, and we all, we didn't know what was coming up, but we knew something was coming, and, and it really helped me just kind of down the road. Like, even now, to this day, um, like I said, my wife was a gym instru- instructor, and we'll sit down and talk about things at dinner and say, you know, Jim really, d- and we really need to be thanking Jim out of every lesson because, because of the way he trained us. And, and it's important for young instructors, I think, to get a, an idea of what they want to do um, and like you said going from different teachers and learning what they want to hear and hear you know I went to teachers that I believed in and I went to teachers that I didn't agree with just to hear both sides and I tried to formulate my own ideas but the basis of everything was Jim's system which to this day still holds true I mean if you go to Jim and you took a, a lesson or a school from him today it'd be the same as it was when I started with him in 1992 maybe a little bit different twist on it because there's new technologies that give us more data, but the core of his teaching hasn't changed, which is, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, standing the test of time. Yeah. So I think for me, what I'm, I'm taking away is obviously, like, I grew up under Tony, and so maybe in a, in a different light of what Jim would do with those staff meetings, one of the things that helped me the most as a young instructor was I'd have a lesson or I'd have somebody coming in and I'd get videos and I'd send the videos to Tony, and over time, I could almost tell you what he would text me back. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm thankful like he'll share videos with me, and so I'm trying to see it almost in Tony's eyes. Right. Right. And so I think that's that's a mini version of the system under McLean. Right. Yep. And same thing. Yeah. And there's something beautiful about that for instructors, young instructors like myself that are obviously with everything out there now. You're saying more data, social media, everything on the internet but it's also important 
for golfers. Right. To un- maybe understand that system and go from there. Yeah, I think, you know, when I grew up as a teacher, we didn't have social media. So if I wanted to learn something, I had to, I had to go to that teacher and, and watch them teach. Take a le- I took lessons from other teachers. Jim was, Jim was huge on us taking lessons from other coaches to see what, how they taught. And even to this day, if you wanted to watch Jim McLean, he actually, re- I almost think he requires you to take a lesson from him before you watch. It could be him or Mike Adams or both. So I spent a lot of time with Mike Adams doing the same thing. But if you really want to learn from somebody, you should take a lesson from them. Mm. Now with social media, it's easy just to flip on the phone, scroll through and see anything and really easy to go down a rabbit hole. Yeah. And I know you see it with your students. I see it with mine. They come in and like, well, well, this guy said this and that guy said that. And now I don't know what to do. I'm like, exactly. How about you just stick with somebody within the do sweeper system or within what I teach with McLean kind of follow them because you know the information is going to be similar it might be said differently but it's going to be similar and you won't go down those rabbit holes and I think it's important that students or players kind of know who taught the teacher because the worst kind of teacher is the guy who teaches what they read in golf magazine last week or who do or teaching what they did in their own game all right so if you had to boil down what you learned from McLean and give us maybe a layout of foundation of how you would work through maybe one lesson and also advancing a player boil that down for me because i'm anxious to learn just for my own understanding yeah i think look there's there's a everything boils down to to the to the basic component obviously everything starts with the setup my first teacher when i first worked for jim mcclain he had a guy named dave collins who was um what, my first mentor, and I worked for Dave, and Dave said, I've never seen a good golf swing from a bad setup. I've seen bad swings from good setups, but never a good swing from a bad setup. And that's always stuck with me. So you got to start with that. And then Jim's system is he doesn't believe everyone should be taught the same way. The club head doesn't need to be in a certain position, but, it need, but things need to be in parameters or corridors. And these are things that we learn from watching the best players in the world. Because you can take somebody, and at, when the club shaft's parallel to the ground, you'll have one guy with the club head outside their hands and one guy with the club way inside their hands. Face might be, might be a little bit open, it might be really shut. So everything, you know, there's no one way to do it. So we would find the common denominator for that player, as long as it fell within a certain you know, parameter, or he calls his corridors a success, and we were fine with that. And so I still teach to that. I still teach that way to this to this day. And then as as I've progressed as a teacher, I've learned from Mike Adams more about how the body works, and I've learned from the swing catalyst people how the body works. But all of that is is complementing what I learned from Jim thirty years ago now. <laughs> back into you know back into those corridors, and it, and that's why he's never really had the change because everyone's going to fall within ninety five percent of the players are going to fall within those corridors. Look, there's always an outlier. There's always a Jim Furyk or Blue Litsky or Matt Wolf that can make it work. But most of the players are going to fall within a certain parameter of that. And, it's, and as a coach, I try to find what neutral is for every player and, have, and work with that within that. So there's corridors. Okay, corridors throughout the entire swing? Yes. To the top of the back swing, yep. into the golf ball. So if you look at Jim's eight-steep swing book, there's, he's got eight positions, and every position in there is going to have a corridor within it. 
And everyone, like I said, 95% of the players are going to fall within those corridors. And then it's about figuring out how each person needs to maybe get more into those corridors. Right. And that's where the coaching part comes in. Okay. Right? So, so we, know, we know where they should. We, we have an idea where they should be, and it's how do they get there that's, that fits the way their body moves. And that's where, where the bio-swing dynamic stuff, the stuff that Mike Adams and, and EA Tischler came up with, kind of really helped me take my teaching to the next level. Because people are going to move a certain way. If you watch, you watch the PGA Tour, everyone moves differently. To a point. So if, if, your grip, you know, if, if you can't keep the club face square a certain way, or if I tweak your grip a little bit and it gets it square, then that's perfect for you. Might not work for me, but it's going to work for you. And that's where, and Jim kind of hammered on this early on, he goes, that's where method teachers, who teach everybody the same, were restricted versus a system teacher like what Jim was teaching us, where we can teach a wider variety of people. Because, yeah, I can teach everyone to take it back, get the club in line with their hands and the club face parallel to their, or parallel to their spine angle, but that might only work for 25% of the population. The other 75 are going to get worse. And before we wrap this up, touch on maybe that coaching aspect, right? Like, what was Jim's style of coaching, and what's your style? So... Jim was amazing to watch teach. He was such a great motivator with people. And he was very, he was, he was terrific with handling p- certain situations and people within, within his teaching. Um, he was very complimentary, but he was, but he was tough. Mm. So it was, like, it was like tough love in certain cases. He made people do things that he didn't think they can do. When they got it, he was very supportive. And if, if it ended up being too hard, he would modify it a little bit. And I feel like I, st- I do the same thing. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like to sugarcoat things. You're either doing it or you're not doing it. And, and if you don't think you can do it, I'm going to try to push you because I think you can do it. And if you still think you can't do it, then we'll modify it a little bit. Because it, it depends on the player. Different players have different goals. Do you want to have, are you, are you recreational golfers where they're going to practice once a week? and just go out and play? Are they serious junior golfers that are going to practice a lot? So you have to, that's where the coaching side comes in. You have to kind of identify what the player wants and needs. Um, and that's, I think, part of any lesson is, is there's an interview process. What are you here for? What do you want to do? What are your goals? How much, do you have to, how much time do you have to practice? You know, if I get, if I get the Wall Street guy that, that's cranking out, or, or a lawyer that's cranking out 90 hours a week and their practice time is the 10 minutes before they go play, that's a different lesson than if I get the person who's practicing three or four days a week. It's got a simulator in their house and they're grinding on it. So we have to we have to learn to adjust. Yeah. Coaching the person in front of you. Yeah, that's awesome. N equals one, as as Ben Shearer would say. <laughs> N is the individual. Yeah. Well, it's awesome to see Jim's influence on you, and I just want to say, obviously, Tony's had a massive influence on my career, but also my life because. There's a, a balance between work and life, and you yeah. know, I'm now thankful to have a little one and raise a family, and you've got two kids of your own that you're raising, and whether you know it or not, I greatly appreciate the ability just to reach out and, and get some info from you and, and have this relationship. So I appreciate what your your influence on me just as much as the dew sweeper standing right next to us with a, with a glass of wine. There. Always good to get the Spreck effect It's great here on the pod, huh? It's the best. We didn't get him last time down because 
I got into the wine too early and and we didn't get to do it. But uh, Spreck effect's always good, always welcome on the pod. Good night here. Well, thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me. It's you always fun to work with you. Pack? I mean, do you need a pivot pack? I might need a pivot pack. <laughs> so, for everybody listening out there, they're going to want to find more information on Kevin Sprecker. How do they do that? Uh, my website's kevinsprecker.com. Instagram is Kevin Sprecker Golf, or all my social media is Kevin Sprecker Golf. Um, easy to find. Uh, and that's it. And then, look, I, I appreciate having you as a friend and a colleague, and I, you know, your, your insight on certain things, and, and you're trained differently than I am, and I like to hear your thoughts on things, and, and uh, so I appreciate your knowledge as well, and you're willing to share it. And, that's great. And uh, I look forward to future collaborations. I can't wait either. Thanks for sitting in. Uh, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this edition of The Tour Coach and this conversation that we brought to you about playing, learning, and teaching the game of golf. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Tour Coach. In between now and next week, make sure you follow us on our social channels. You can always find me at The Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to our YouTube page where you'll see a scene and a video from my teachings daily on our YouTube channel. You can find that by looking up Tony Ruggiero and The Dew Sweepers on YouTube. Until then, make sure you follow and check out everything Tour Coach and all our sponsors, Shrixon Cleveland Golf, Bushnell, Vineyard Vines, and Buick GMC. I'll be back next week to help all of us appreciate, learn, and enjoy the game of golf. Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. And look, recently, several teachers I know and several players have had some scares with skin cancer. In fact, I recently went and saw a dermatologist here in town, and I had a couple things frozen off, eyelid, my face, my earlobe, and not getting any younger. And I know I know it's getting to that time of the season where it's cooler, but look, being in the sun is a real deal, and I've not been very good, to be totally honest, my whole career at using it at all because I didn't like how greasy it was, how hard it was to get off your hands, how it clogged up my pores. And then I found this sunscreen, Visor Skin Care. It's clear. It goes on. It doesn't dry you out. It isn't greasy. It's like you didn't put anything on it. By far, it's the best sunscreen I've ever used. Without a doubt, is the easiest to use. And we've got a discount code for all of you. All you have to do is go to visorskincare.com. Just use our code word, Dewsweeper. Visorskincare.com, code word, Dewsweeper.